All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here, Tim. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, John. I'm good. How you doing? You know, not too, not too great. Um, not terrible, but not too great. We've been dealing with a lot of um, crappy problems lately. Um, <laughs> my my drain field failed at the house, so I've been digging up um, poopy water. And trying to divert the poopy water before I get it fixed this week, which is fun. So I tried to do it myself, and um, it was just in over my head. And so I bit the bullet. And now I'm going to get someone else to do it. I'm going to pay someone else anywhere from seven to fifteen thousand to dig a hole, put some straws in there, big, big, thick straws, basically pipes, and then cover up, cover them up. It's just such it stuff like this irks me because it's so simple. It's so incredibly simple how this works. I just can't do it. It's too much for me. I even went to the. I, I was almost going to rent a mini excavator. I had it all priced out. It would have been fifteen hundred for a week. Like, can I still do? Like, it's a lot of. We got to move Earth. You got. It gets a lot of work. And my wife's like, "You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. Don't do it. Don't do it." Like I'm doing it. So I was out there digging last night with a shovel. I'm like I can't do this; it's too much. Because if you mess up, like you're literally swimming in turds. Like it's a, so whatever. Dealing with that, that's fun. Northport flood. Trying to put that together, arguing with insurance people, which is just maddening. Like I, I, I was on the phone for 45 minutes to an hour yesterday, just arguing with an insurance guy. Well, the wood floors shouldn't be this much. And I'm like, well, how much should they be then? This is the quote, my man. What do you want me to do? Well, I just don't understand how it gets to this number. And I'm sitting there and trying to be as polite as I can. The quote's right there. It's black and white. This is what the material costs. This is what the labor costs. This is what it costs to finish it. It's black and white. Well, I just don't understand it. I'm like, it's not my fault. You can't wrap your head around a quote. Is this your job to figure this out? Because I don't know. He's like, well, it should be in this range. Like, because the quote was, I'll be frank with you guys, to do 12,000, 1,200 square foot of flooring, you know, nice white oak, it was $24,000. And the guy's like, my computer's telling me it should be fourteen. 
I'm like, I don't care what your computer says. Does your, does your computer want to hire me someone to put the damn floors in? Because if that's the case, then tell your computer to get on the horn and try to find somebody. Okay. If not, approve it and let's move forward. You're the insurance company. You have to put it back in. That's what you're there for. I wasted an hour of my life. I finally hung up. I said, okay, let me know. He sent me a message an hour later saying, okay, you can have the money. I approve it. He's like, finally, like what a waste of time. So I've been dealing with that. I know I'm going to have to deal with it with the wood stove I have to buy, with the windows that are going to have to be replaced, with the, the kitchen cabinets, which are going to have to be replaced, with all this stuff, Tim. It's just a waste of my time. You want to start a, a GoFundMe that people can donate to and help you out? No, because it's it's they should just pay. Like That's what I pay insurance for. I pay you every year thousands of dollars for an incident like this. And it happened, unfortunately. We had a mini flood. Time to buck up, big boy. Let's go. All the lost rent that I had, it was so funny. He's like, because we rent out the cabin when we're not using it, which is a lot because we have a lot of kids. We can't get out there very often. He's like, yeah, I earmarked around like 20, 30,000 for lost rent. And this is during peak summer hours, peak summer months. And I'm like, you're in for a rude awakening when I send you all the invoices, my my friend. I'm not even going to say the number because it's astounding what people pay. It's just like, it makes my head spin. I'm like, you. So I'm going to send him that today. He's going <laughs> to, that conversation is going to be fantastic. I, ju- I just, so I've just been dealing with that. It's just nonstop, just insurance guys dealing with like excavators yesterday. I called at least 15 excavation companies, all great guys, but just they're busy. You know, I'm just trying to get people out there, get eyes on it. And permit people from the county. You got to have a health permit it's just stupid. It's like, it's my property. Let me do what I want with it. Anyways, the kids slept outside last night in the big tent because remember we went camping in Wisconsin. It rained while we were camping. So the canvas was wet. So I had to set it up again to dry it out. And so I set it up yesterday and I let him sleep in it. No, I set it up two days ago. I let him sleep in it last night. Temperatures got down to like 45. They were freezing cold. They came in at night. Some of them gutted it out, but some of them came in. So I was just up all night dealing with that. I'm cold. I'm scared. I heard, a, like, we have coyotes. You know, there's dogs barking. There's bears roaming around. Like, it's, there's noise. So I was just dealing with that all night. Like, taking that tent down. So, yeah. It's a, it, it, yeah, there you go, everybody. You got a glimpse into my glamorous lifestyle. The last week's just been, it's been a trip. Does it help to talk about it? Not to you. You you need to get out of this funk you're in with the Bruins. You've completely changed your personality ever since your your Boston Bruins. I even was talking to someone yesterday who's a fan of the show, and he's like, "Tim seems off." So, if there's something somebody needs to talk about, maybe it's you. Well, let's talk about let's talk about some hockey. There's some big night last night for a lot of reasons. Most a lot of reasons. Let's. Let's start with the lottery. Everybody loves a good gambling story, right? Let's start with that lottery. So it happened last night, 8 p.m. The balls were flying in the hopper. Everybody was excited. This is a franchise-altering selection, much like it was a few years ago with Connor McDavid, much like it was a few years ago before that with Sidney Crosby. It's a very exciting thing who gets this first-round pick, first overall pick. Connor Bedard is the number one pick. Everybody knows it going in. Columbus had the top odds. Anaheim was right there. Chicago was third. 
Who wins it? The Chicago Blackhawks. Very exciting. I'm very close with the Chicago Blackhawks. I still keep in touch with a lot of people who work there. Some of the players, maybe not some of the players anymore, because they just clean house for this reason to get Connor Bedard and bingo, bango, bongo. They get the first overall pick. They jump three, two spots from three to one. It's a franchise-altering thing, Tim. Like, this is amazing for the Chicago Blackhawks. It jumpstarts their rebuild by, like, five years, six years. The thing now with the Blackhawks, you immediately have to transition from, okay, we're going to be a rebuild team for the next five years to we have to start spending money right now. We have to start win-now mode now. We're getting Johnny's contract off the books, Johnny Taves. We got Kaner's contract off the books. We have a bunch of money in cap space opening up next year. That's $21 million that we have opened up for next year. We have to take advantage of this. Why? Because you have Connor Bedard for three years on an ELC. What do you think his number is going to be after three years? If all these kids are signing $8 million contracts for eight years, this kid's going to get $13 million after his third year. So if I'm Kyle Davidson, I am very excited, but my job just got a lot harder. He could have coasted Davidson for the next three or four years and just kind of leaned into the rebuild if they would have got the third overall pick. Because you don't get Bedard, you don't get Fantilli, Fanatilli. You get the third overall pick, whoever it might be. But now that they get Connor Bedard, you get you gotta you gotta go for it now. Like you you instantly went from three to four year rebuild to a one to two year rebuild. And that third year we have to be competing for the Stanley Cup. Because you know this guy's gonna want a ton of money in his fourth year. But what did you think of the whole thing, Tim? You probably thought it was rigged. You're a tin hat conspiracy theorist type of guy. Well, it is a little suspicious that you have a original six franchise, huge market, just got rid of their superstar, coming into a rebuild, and then they get the the best player in the last eight years, maybe more. Um, it is a little bit suspicious. They jump two spots. It's it's basically you know exactly what Bedman would have wanted, but I don't know. I read Frank's article. Frank was in the room. He was one of three media outlets to be present while they did the actual ball spinning because it happened ninety minutes before the broadcast. He says it was on the up and up, so I guess we'll have to take his word for it. It does accelerate the rebuild, like you said, because not only does Bedard make them such a better team overnight, but now it's a destination again. Now it's going to be a place where players want to sign and want to go to play with Connor Bedard, especially forwards. Imagine being a winger on that line. Like, who wouldn't want to be? It's going to be like playing with Crosby or McDavid. It's going to, even if it's a one year contract, it's going to bump their points so much and increase their value. So, yeah, it, it is a lot of pressure, like for Davidson, like you said, but. I just don't like it. I wish he was going to Anaheim. I think that would be more fun. <laughs> Bedard is just Bedard in Chicago. They don't deserve him. They really don't. So, whatever. You're very upset. Um, I understand. Let's move on from that. Chicago has two first round draft picks. They have the number one overall, and they have the first round draft pick from Tampa Bay. They have four second round draft picks, which they could parlay into another first round if they package them up and get another first round. This could quietly be the fastest rebuild that a team has ever done. If you get Connor Bedard, you get a couple first-rounders who are impactful right away. Right now, as it stands for next year, they have roughly $37 million tied up in cap space for next year. They're going to have $50 million to spend this offseason, Tim. $50 million. The only RFA they have right now that is worth anything 
maybe Anders Bjork, even if you want to keep him. Seth Jones's brother, Caleb. Like there's they, they have nobody who they want to bring back who they're gonna have an issue with of re-signing. This team, it, it, gosh, it, it's they they look pretty solid for next year if they play their cards right. You have to surround these young guys with good veteran players who can contribute. But hey, it's it's a franchise. I I I'm texting with people in Chicago as this happened, and they said season tickets are flying off the shelves now. Um, our jersey sales are going through the roof for Bedard. Like thousands are being sold already, and people are interested in the Hawks again. It, it's just funny how one player has that seismic ability to shift everything. It's 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 pretty wild. No other sport would this happen. Maybe basketball, maybe. Baseball, who cares about draft picks in baseball? Basketball, maybe. I, I don't know. But it, this is this is pretty rare that one player comes in and just changes everything. Like this team was going to compete for last place in the league next year, and they they still might. We got Connor Bedard. Like this guy's, he moves the needle, Tim. Well, in the first hour after getting the number one pick, the um, Blackhawks sold $1.9 million in season tickets to the point where they're going to put a cap on it. And this is the team that had the third lowest capacity percentage in the NHL this past year. So, yeah, it's just absolutely huge for them. Yeah, there's some more big news coming out in the next few months of someone who's joining the organization. Very exciting stuff happening with the Chicago Blackhawks. So, Good. I don't think it's rigged. I think, um, you know, it is what it is. I would have liked to see him go somewhere else. Maybe I, I agree. I thought he'd be fun in Anaheim, but he, it's a great spot for him in Chicago. It's prime time, baby. The Blackhawks relevant team is good for the NHL. So I think it's nice. It was a nice night for the Chicago Blackhawks after a pretty, pretty dumpy 2023 for them. They got the light at the end of the tunnel and how pissed are like Columbus and Anaheim and Montreal and all those teams are like, dang it. Columbus, especially <laughs> like they were supposed to get one of those two studs. Even if it wasn't Bedard, they're going to get Fantilli. And now they get neither. They they showed them on the broadcast. And what's is that? That Finnish GM is just, he was so pissed. He doesn't uh, hide his emotions. Well, no, <laughs> it's great. All right, Tim, we've been getting boatloads of voicemails. Let's bang out a couple calls here. We'll listen to a couple viewers, what they have to say. I have not heard these. Tim has not preemptively given me the questions. What I will say is, love getting the voicemails. Fantastic. Love the engagement. We're getting lots of calls. It's very fun. Try to shorten them up. Some people get on that phone. They want to talk for a minute, two minutes, three minutes. Give us their life story. Give us their opinion on everything. This is why Connor McDavid should do this and that. I love it. You keep it short so we can play it on the show. So a lot of these we can't even play because they're like two minutes long. I'm not going to waste two minutes on Cal from Northern Manitoba talking about, you know, something that's great, but you got to, you know, keep it short. 10, 15, 20 seconds. That's what we, that's the sweet spot there. So let's try to work on that going forward. But Tim's got a couple now that he's going to play. First, we got Tommy. Tim, what is Tommy talking about? from uh, Northern Illinois, big Blackhawks fan. John, although you did not get hit or punched a ton, was there a hardest body checker and hardest puncher that you faced? Conversely, is there a favorite hit or punch that you delivered? Thanks. The big best hitter in the game when I was playing, gosh, there there was quite a few heat-seeking missiles. I just did a 
part of a story for the athletic for Cal Clutterbuck. That guy was a, a big hitter, but I would say the biggest, scariest hitter out there who I always kept my head up was um, like a Zach Ronaldo because they, there was no line. The guy would hit dirty. The guy would hit clean. The guy was always going a million miles an hour. Same with like a Patrick Coletta, those types of guys who were just assassins out there. And on the back end, you always have to watch out for the big, nah, there was no one on the back end who I played against who I really feared. It was those forwards on the fourth line who just would go out, like Derek Bugard. You know what I mean? You had to keep your head up when that guy was on the ice. As far as punches, the hardest punch I took was from DJ King. That guy ripped me one. Big, big Indian, like just caught me with the heavy right, almost like knocked my head off. That was the hardest punch I ever, I ever took. And the hardest punch I gave Oh gosh. Uh, I want to say like Sean Thornton. I think I hit him right in the temple. The guy had never been knocked out and he, I, I put him to sleep for a little bit. Then he was out for a while after that. That was the hardest punch. It they looked very innocent, but I buried him right behind the ear. And that was a very tender spot. The hardest hit I ever had like Louis Erickson versus the Bruins. That was a good one. People say it was questionable. I thought it was great, but I buried Mikhail Gabrowski from the New York Islanders. We were in Long Island and I was playing the offside wing. We were in, they were in the offensive zone. We were in the defensive zone. I was playing for the Sharks at the time. He grabs the puck between his defenseman and our defenseman. So he's around the hash marks and he cuts to the center of the ice. I'm the weak side winger. I have no business going over there. I'm supposed to be covering my guy staying in kind of high slot area. For some reason, my spidey senses just said, let's go check it out. And I slowly glided over. You can watch it on YouTube. I didn't even take more than three or four strides, and I glide into him. He was out cold on the ice as soon as he, he like cut to the middle. I was there. I outweighed him by at least 75 pounds. I, I buried this guy. It was a fantastic hit. Nice and clean. The best thing about it was the next shift, they had Matt Karkner, Matt Martin, Matt Martin, I'm like, I'm fighting somebody. I have to. Matt Martin comes up next to me on the face-off dot. And I looked at him like, are we doing this? And he just dead stare straight ahead. The guy was scared crapless of me. Matt Martin, big vaunt, a tough guy. I'm like, are we going? Like, what are we doing here? And he just like wouldn't even glance my way. It was one of the best moments of my life because I was like, fantastic. I can bury your best player and you're not going to do anything. I can do whatever I want now, baby. It was great. So, yeah, those are my two. uh Two punches and hits there. Good question, Tommy. Tommy must be happy with Connor Bedard. I don't know when he sent that voicemail, but Tommy's going to be in a good mood for the next couple months. Until they start playing, then they'll realize you need more than one player, but it's a good start. All right, I'll play one more here. This is from Billy in Pittsburgh. This is a short one. You're going to hate me for this one. You're going to laugh, but here we go. For John, how do you think you would do uh, with a fight against uh, Matthew Tatar? Why am I going to hate you for that one? <laughs> How are you going to do in a fight against Matthew Kachuk? Well, I would do fairly well. Yeah. The issue is Matthew Kachuk um, is a superstar. Like he single-handedly beat the best hockey team in the regular season, the Boston Bruins. Um, and he didn't really try that hard. You know, he just walked right through him. He had no pushback. So the guy is obviously very strong. 
He obviously is very passionate. Um, but let's just, Billy, how big is Matthew Kachuk? Like, it's, it, it boils down to physics at this point. The guy's, what, 6'1", 6'2", 210 pounds? I was 6'8", 270 pounds. I don't care how bad of a fighter I am. I just have to show up and I win the fight. Like, that's it. Kachuk's not a fighter. He's a goal. He's a hockey player who who's very tough. I was a fighter who was bad at hockey. That There's a huge difference there, you know? I did what I could to stay in the league for seven, eight years. Kachuk is a superstar who just happens to fight sometimes. So I, I would, I would destroy him. Absolutely destroy him in my prime. I would murder him right now. I would destroy him. I got, I, I went down the rabbit hole yesterday of watching um, the Quebec Senior League, the LNAH fights. They're in playoffs right now, and there's two guys who just keeps fighting. It's like it's um, Hamill and Parker. I think they fought eight times so far in the playoffs, and the fights are so bad. These guys get all worked up. They drop the mitts and the helmet, and they they circle each other, and they they go to center ice. Everybody stops. They're all juiced up, and they throw one or two punches, and they fall down. They have no balance, nothing. I don't know if they don't work out their legs or whatever it is. The fights never last. Not even kidding. Seven seconds, Tim. They grab each other. One guy throws a couple punches, but as he's punching, he's like pushing and the other guys just fall back. It's so embarrassing to watch as a fighter. I'm like, this is not a hockey fight. It's not. You guys suck at skating. And it just makes me think, I'm like, could I just like dust them off? You know, kick, kick, kick my bag get the bag out of storage and show up at the lnah and just run show but i don't think i could because these guys are just like i don't know i don't know i think i could but i'm not never gonna see because they're so bad at fighting they're so bad at fighting tim it's embarrassing like i worked at it it was a craft Uh, much like a lot of the people we talked to on the show there's an art to it these guys just go out there and they just throw two or three big punches and they fall down. And it's a race to get to your feet to put your hands up. Oh, I won. And they're saluting the crowd. It's like, buddy, you caught him with a glancing left and you f- fell down because you s- can't skate. Is that is that what we're doing now? It's just like a, a sideshow. But that's what they do in that league. They love it. There's half the team's goons who stink at hockey. And half the team is like decent hockey players. So there you go. Was that the I, same I just, league that... Um... What? I just I watched them for like a half an hour. I just I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I'm just sitting there. It's like 9:30 p.m. and I'm watching these hockey fights. Yeah, it was during the intermission. Is that um the same league that Doug Smith played in? The one Doug that Thug? Uh, yeah. I don't know what league he played in. This played in you know this league. league. Yeah. This this is the one in Quebec that's just notorious for this stuff, and they pay the fighters more than the goal scorers. And <laughs> like, um, who is that guy? Patrick Bordelow plays in this league now. Like Francis Lassard played in this league. Donald Bashir played there. Um, all like the French fighters go there to die. Like that's that's the ending point for their career. Like I think John Morasti played there for a long time. Yeah, it's it's a weird league. A lot of high it's, high goal scoring games in that in that league. Well, it, the games are crazy long because these guys drop the gloves. And it takes some, like, they got to do their whole entrance. Who was that guy who fought Lucic um, on Mbaba? 
um, from Arizona. Remember we chirped and we tore him a new but one? Reeves, Imama. Reeves. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a lot of that where they shed the gloves, they take their helmets off, and then they circle each other. And they just do this dance. And it's like they build it up. The anticipation's there. And then they engage. And the fight is like a quarter of the time of the actual buildup. If I'm a fan, I'm relentlessly booing. Like, what a what a waste of time on you two dummies. And they all look the same. They all have the greasy hair and their wrists are taped up from their wrist to their elbow. And they put their dukes up right up to their eyeball. And then they just like, uh, their upper bodies are massive. They're built like a boulder with toothpicks. Like, it's just, and they just, they weeble and they wobble, but they do fall down. It's so, it's so embarrassing. I don't know. I shouldn't chirp him because it's a tough job, but I've been in over a hundred fights. And I'm like, you guys are doing it wrong. You're doing, I've never been in a fight that that's happened that I've swung and missed and gone down. Never. I defy you to look for a fight for me where I swung and missed and I fell down. Never happened. The closest one to it was Ryan Reeves where he ducked and he kind of pushed me over him and we fell. That was it. Every other fight, I've I've had fantastic balance. So speaking of high-scoring games, let's talk about the games this week. Because this is the crazy thing about the second round in the NHL. There basically hasn't been a good game yet. There hasn't been any close ones. You talked about it the other day, like 8-4, to 7-2, to 5-1, to 6-1, to 5-1. The two games last night were 6-1, uh, to 6-3. I don't know what it is. It's not like those low-scoring games. They're not very tight. It's either one game, one team blows out the other, and it happened last night. So let's talk about Carolina. Wins game four, six to one, just overpowering the Devils, right? And so we talked about before this series what Carolina had going for them, even if it, the skill was maybe even, was the size and the toughness. And last night's game was a great example. Jordan Martinook, three-point night, maybe <laughs> maybe the first of his career, I don't know. Brent Burns, two points. Jordan Stahl, two points. Those are big boys making their presence known on the ice. And now the Devils don't really have a response to that. And they kind of said after the game, well, we played like crap and it's 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 on us and whatever. Kind of what you'd want to hear. Except now the Devils are down 3-1 to one with three games to go. And two of those games are in Raleigh. And Carolina is one of, if not the best home team in the NHL in the playoffs. Is this series over? Can we say that? You would think so. The Devils goaltending has really let them down. They started Vitek Vanacek again, gave him back the neck after Schmid really kind of didn't play well the last few games. And Vanacek went out and just got shelled, like absolutely shelled, gave up five goals on 17 shots. It's not like the Devils were playing bad or the Hurricanes were overwhelming them. Yes, the Hurricanes were the better team. Their goaltending's just atrocious. It's It's really bad. And I don't know what's happening, but yeah, the, the, these are very boring games. The only series, which is fun, funny to think about, the only series that have had really competitive games is the Toronto-Florida series. And Florida's came on top on all three of them. But those have been tight games, overtime, 4-2, overtime. Every other series has just been like lopsided games. And I, I think for the Devils, it's feast or famine for them. I, I don't understand. And Lindy Ruff... After the game, he said, I, I don't know how to explain it. We go from being the best team on the planet two nights ago, winning eight to four, or yes, giving up three shorthanded goals, but we were fantastic. And you fast forward like 39 and a half hours, and we, we can't do anything. We go up one nothing, and then we just stop skating. We stop doing anything. We give up five goals in the second period. 
So I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I really don't. It's it's very strange. It, it it gives a lot of credence to how good Carolina is, their system, their coach, their everything. You lose your best goal scorer in the preseason or in the, early in the season in Matt's Pacioretty. You lose your best goal scorer during the season right before the playoffs in Andrei Shvetsnikov. You're still able to dominate, Tim. Like not even win close games. Absolutely dominate the New Jersey Devils. Like this is not a close series. So yes, I, I fully expect Carolina to win. Freddie Anderson didn't have to break a sweat. It was a very easy game for him. No real hard chances against all of their lines seem to be clicking. Nothing doesn't work for the Carolina Hurricanes at this point. And I've been very critical of them. I, I don't think I've given them their due. I wrote them off as soon as Svechnikov was injured. I said they're going to lose the first round. Lo and behold, who did they play in the first round again? The Islanders. Yeah, I, I picked the Islanders. I thought the Islanders. No, I did pick Carolina, but I thought it was going to be a tough series. Islanders. You picked yeah. the Islanders. I thought they had no chance versus the New Jersey Devils. Coming out four straight wins versus the Rangers. Or sorry, four right. of the last five. They're playing great. Martin Nikas. Nietzsche is playing great. They're just playing good hockey, Tim. And like, what more do you want? And when you look at their back end, the addition of Gosses Bear, he's playing fantastic. The addition of Brent Burns, he's playing at a Norris Trophy level. You got Slavin, who even scored. Brady Shea, they have a very elite top six defense core. And Freddie Anderson, he's making the saves he has to make. So I have been underselling the Carolina Hurricanes all postseason. This is a legit team. And they're missing arguably their three best players. Pacioretty, Svechnikov, and Tuevo Teravainen. Not to mention They're, Jake Gardner. You know, you just ruined my mojo. I was getting there, and it's <laughs> funnier when I do it. Uh, it's, it's a lot better when I do it. Okay, okay. And you you, you completely it again, it ruined it. You completely ruined it. You said three Gosh. best players, and you missed them. I said three best forwards, and I was going to go perennial Norris candidate, and you just blew it. You just ruined it. But anyways, they play game five tomorrow, not tonight. We'll see what happens there. But I fully expect Carolina to close this one up. They're going home. They have all the momentum. It's a, it was a good run for the Devils. Are you disappointed in the Devils, Tim? Because I know you like this team. You like this young group. Are you disappointed how they're playing? This is this is really bad for them. Yeah, yeah, because it was crazy. I, I did watch a bunch of this game last night, most of the first period. Jack Hughes scored of, over a bad turnover in the offensive zone, and it's one nothing. And it was like a couple minutes left in the first, and I switched to something else, and I didn't come back until after the, the second period, thinking like, what is it now, 2-1, to 3-0, whatever. It was 6-1 to one Carolina after two, and I was like, holy moly. Um, I don't know what happened, and it just took over. And like those big, bo- those big bodies, like I said. So, yeah, it is disappointing. I don't think they'll go down quietly, but you got to think Carolina is going to be able to close this out in in one or two games. Yeah, <laughs> Luke Hughes gets his second game. Dash three did not play well at all. Looked in over his head. Dougie Hamilton, not a characteristically good Dougie Hamilton game. Adam Gray's friend of the show. Don't know what's wrong with him. He did not play. He got blown up um, in game two, maybe like a really heavy hit. It was the clean hit, but he didn't. It was just a bad hit. So yeah, he's he's hurt. Yeah, so he was not in. They were running with seven defensemen, which seems to be a theme in these playoffs. Toronto does it. These guys do it. Never liked it as a defenseman or a forward. You have to kind of sit when you're not used to sitting. If you're a forward, you're playing a little bit more than you usually do, or you have to sit to get the matchups or the sentiment right. I don't really care for that. Although, on the other hand, Timo Meyer picks up an assist first of the playoffs. So good for him. 
Am I going to win the bet, Tim? I said Kane would get more points than Timo Meyer. Timo now has had four more games than Patrick Kane, and he has two points total this postseason. Can you say that I'm going to win this bet outright? No, 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 no. Meyer's in for a big game. He's going to go off for four points in uh, game five. Will, could this, could he go down as one of the worst acquisitions at the deadline for what they paid to get him for what he has produced? The ROI is terrible on this guy. He's given them two points. That's it. He hasn't produced anything. He hasn't driven any offense. He's a completely different player from what he was when he uh, took San Jose to the Stanley Cup finals a few years back. Like he was a force in that playoff run. And he's, he looks lost. He's not the same like little tank he was just last year, this year with San Jose. So I don't know what's going on with him. He Something is not right with him, whether he's injured because he looks he looks really bad. He looks really bad. Yeah, let's move on to the other game last night. Seattle Kraken and the Stars. And the Stars had a big bounce back game, 6-3 to three, off a two-goal, 3.9 for Max Domi. The series is now tied 2-2, two to two, good for Max. Heiskanen in return. Remember, he took that puck off the face in game three. I do. Swollen, bloody mess. You saw him before the game, just like all stitched up. It's it's like a hockey puck still stuck under his cheek. He played 31 minutes, John, in regulation. Like, what a stud this kid is. Um, so big night for Dallas. The offense was there, but Ottinger is still not great. Only three goals against, but it was on 19 shots. I, I don't know how quality they were, but like, this is not the Ottinger we saw last year's playoffs too. That's a little bit concerning, but now you're heading back to Dallas, t- tied two to two, a little bit of momentum there. Do you expect this to still go seven? Yeah, I do. It's They've been very entertaining games. Yes, there's been lopsided games, but very entertaining, up and down the ice, always action, lots of heavy hitting. Seattle's a hard team to play against. They do not give you an inch. They muck, they bang. Dallas Stars power play was good last night. They go two for three, exactly what you need to do. Seattle, when Dallas plays like that, you can't compete with them. They look they look drastically different from the night game before. I don't know what happens with these teams between games. It's just feast or famine. You lose six to one, you come back, you win six to three. It's such a bizarre thing to have that in the playoffs. I fully expect this to go to seven. I think Dallas wins it at home. Ottinger has to find his game. I, I don't know what to make of what's going on. Yeah, they're getting in front of him. Yeah, a couple bad rebounds, but this isn't the guy we know. Maybe he's injured. I don't know. Grubauer was terrible last night. Martin Jones came in and made two saves. Good for him. I, I fully expect Grubauer to come in and play next game, but gosh, it, it's a good series. It's it's going to go back and forth. I think Seattle wins at home. I think Dallas comes back and wins at home, and it's it's a seven-game matchup, which is great, but we were talking before the show these teams are great it's they're fun to talk about it's different but how and how do i say this in a nice way out of the final eight teams that are left for a stanley cup final which two teams do you get excited for for a matchup i i don't think it's Carolina or New Jersey in the East. I think Florida, Toronto would have to be those teams. Ideally, it would be Toronto. Like they're they're the sexy team. They got the personalities. They got the stories. They got the backstories. They would be great. They're going to be gone. So you're left with Florida in the West. If like, do you want Seattle to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals? I don't know if you do. Do you want Dallas to make it? Uh, Maybe more than Seattle. Ideally, it's a it's a Vegas or Edmonton versus Toronto or Florida. 
but like it could, it could very well be a Seattle versus Carolina final. That's a nightmare for the NHL if that happens. No one will watch. You thought the ratings were low when it was Dallas versus Montreal in the bubble? Wait until this happens. If it's Carolina, Seattle, no one will watch Tim other than like diehard hockey fans. So we'll see. The Seattle is playing great. They're uh, they're defying the odds, but I fully expect Dallas. Jamie Ben's starting to produce. Rupe Hints is playing great. Max Domi may be the best acquisition at the deadline. He's playing great. Finally gets on the board, gets two goals. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's fun to watch this series. This is my top series so far to watch. It's been good. Good hockey. What else, Tim? The other game uh, the other night, Vegas over Edmonton, 5-1. to one, Another blowout game. So the Knights lead 2-1 to one in this oh. series. I want to talk about Jack Eichel for a second. He had three points in this game. He's got five goals, five assists through eight games. Remember at at the at, in the end of the first game in round one, he was, you know, zero, 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 minus three. And we we're like, okay, Jack's this is what he's been waiting for. This is his opportunity to show us what he can do in the playoffs, to lead his team into multiple rounds, go on a run, spotlights on him. And he kind of laid an egg that first game. We said, okay, if he doesn't step it up, he's he's in trouble. And here he is. He's having a great playoffs. And even better, this matchup against McDavid, I don't know if their lines are actually matched up, but the, but the faces and the names are. And he was the, the McDavid consolation prize, quote-unquote. And he ends game one picking McDavid's pocket for the empty netter, and then he gets three points in this game. His team's up two to one. He's got to feel pretty good right now. A um, couple things. Do you want to go ahead? No, no, I'm just yeah. going to second that. Yeah, he feels good. A couple things to note in this game. Loren Boissois got hurt in the first period after letting up a goal. So Aiden Hill came in in the backup and stopped all 24 shots. No updates as of this recording on who's playing tonight. We might see Jonathan Quick either get the start or the backup, depending on Brossois' situation. Um, but he is their number one right now. And so as well as Aiden Hill played, you, you've got to hope that he comes back for their sake. Now Vegas, the game's back in Vegas. You can't go, or sorry, this is game four in, in Edmonton tonight. Oilers need to win because you can't go back to Vegas down three to one. Is this a must-win game for Edmonton? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they they have to win to stay in the series. But in order to do that, you have to get goaltending. You know, Stuart Skinner was awful. Um, very savable shots. They're just going through them. I don't know what happened last game. Jack Campbell comes in, didn't didn't play much better. He was typical Jack Campbell. Just gets scored on. One got called back. They literally scored. 20 seconds later. So he didn't look any better. They're going to go back to Stuart Skinner. The defense was very bad all around forwards, defensemen positioning was awful. Vegas did a lot of motion in the offensive zone and they were giving guys just lanes to the net. Like Zach white clouds goal. The guy could have drove a semi truck to the net. No one even near him. So the Edmonton needs to be better. Evan Bouchard was awful. Cody CC was atrocious. Darnell Nurse has been invisible this whole series. I don't know what's going on with Darnell Nurse. He's been bad. He's their $9.5 million guy. He has to step up. He needs to play better. He has to shut down Eichel, shut down Stevenson, shut down Marshall You have to play better. Vinny DeHarnay should not play. He he has to be benched. That's all there is to it. You, you play Broberg a little bit more. You bench DeHarnay. The guy does nothing but just – he kills a little bit. I get that. He's one of their better killers. He turns the puck over too much. He, he he needs to be benched. So Edmonton needs a better effort from their back end. And yeah, McDavid was neutralized. It, it was a weird game for the Oilers. They score early. Warren Fogle, a, a big stretch pass goes in, you know, gets a feed from Ryan. Very good goal. And then they were just silent. 
It was just a very weird game for Edmonton at home, coming back, looking to take a stranglehold on the series. You you split in Vegas, which what you're supposed to do, and they laid a complete egg. It was a weird game. This whole this whole playoffs has been strange. Goaltenders being injured, blowouts left and right. It's been. It wouldn't surprise me after tonight if Edmonton wins eight to nothing, eight to one. Like it's just been that type of postseason. It's so incredibly strange. We don't know who's starting a net for either team. That has not been announced. It's so bizarre, Tim. This is there's eight teams left in the NHL. Who's going to start for Toronto? We don't know. Justin Wall is Matt Murray going to get the start? We have no idea. Florida, we know it's Bobrovsky. Carolina's Freddie Anderson. Devils, who who's starting for the Devils? I don't know. Seattle. Who's is Grubauer going to get back in? Probably, but he was pulled last game. Dallas Ottinger has played garbage, but they're not going to pull him. Who's going to start for Vegas? Bersois, Hill, Jonathan Quick. I don't know. Edmonton. Is it Skinner? Is it? It's so bizarre the goaltending situation. Maybe that's the way of the future. I've said it for how many years now, Tim? How do you win a Stanley Cup? Through the middle and the back end. You don't need a goalie anymore, and I think these teams are proving it. All the best goaltenders in the league: Shosturkin. Vasilevsky, Rene, they're gone. Their teams are bounced. You don't need a star goaltender to pay him a bunch of money in order to be a successful team. And all eight of these teams prove that point. Maybe Ottinger would be the outlier because that guy is a legit stud. No other team has a stud on their lineup, even though Bobrovsky makes more than any goalie on this list. He's a backup. So moving on, I think uh, the Oilers have to bounce back. You know, we talk about Martyrs Matthews. They're going to step up. I think Dreinsidel is going to put on a show. I think McDavid gets off the schneid. He's going to put in a couple goals. They're going to have a big night. I expect both of them to get three points or more tied up going back to Vegas. This series is going to go seven as well. I think the West is the uh, the conference you want to watch this round for some reason. They're having really, really good games. Agreed. Agreed. So quick hits here before we get out of here. Some bad news out of Colorado. Gabriel Landeskog will undergo a cartilage transplant in his right knee uh, today. The surgery will be performed by Dr. Brian Cole in Chicago. He's 30 years old. He's expected to miss the entire season yet again. Two full seasons back-to-back. Is this something you can bounce back from? Have you heard of the surgery before? Uh, not, Not really from the cartilage. The injury happened when they were in the bubble, and he took a skate to his knee, and somehow it cut the cartilage underneath his patella. Like, it's it's a very rare injury. And he gutted it out last season. And he just couldn't do it this year. And to miss two consecutive seasons, having this type of surgery, yeah, that's tough. That's that's a t- his last game. Tim was the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> like he raises the cup in his last game, and he hasn't stepped foot on the ice since in a regular season game. It's crazy. So he's only thirty. He's going to have the best care. He's under contract for how many more years? Like he's got some term on his contract. So he he'll be back. They did leave a slight window for playoffs next year. If they make it, he could potentially make his return, but he was slated to return. Tim, he had a surgery in October, I believe. And so he was slated to return 12 weeks later. So December of this season, it's just been setback after setback after setback. And finally they just said, we have to go back and, you know, take a look at this knee and they found more damage. So yikes i don't know who this dr brian cole is but i'm sure he's the best in the business so it it would be nice to have him colorado desperately needs him tim we saw what happened versus seattle they need this guy 
Is there any conversation in, in situations like this to give someone else to see while he's gone or is it or no? No, you can't do that. Because then what happens when he comes back? You know? Yeah. Yeah. There, There's maybe if he was an assistant, they'd have to give it to somebody else. But no, there's I've never heard of a captain being injured and they give the C away when there's a potential that that captain could come back. That would just be that'd make for drama. You don't need unneeded drama. All right. Let's do some predictions tonight. There, there is huge games. The Leafs could be bounced. If they get bounced, we're going to do a show just on them tomorrow. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. The Oilers and the Knights, both Canadian teams desperately need wins tonight. What are your predictions, Tim? Can the Leafs extend their season and head back home and potentially start this, you know, number five, the fifth time it's going to happen of all time, we're going to come back from three rip. Can they do that? Yes or no? Uh, they can, but they're not going to. I think Florida closes it out tonight. That clip I showed you yesterday uh, was it was it Chris Hayes? Yeah. Uh, the way or Brian Hayes, the way he talked about like the the lack of effort. This is on overdrive yesterday. It's just so good. The <laughs> it's inexplainable the lack of like just effort and the lack of drive in these key guys. And he pointed out Matthews and Marner. And I feel like we talk about this every day now, but it just keeps coming back to life. And so. I haven't seen anything from them to to think that they'll come back and bounce back. So I think Florida closes it out tonight. I think Toronto wins. I I really do. I I think we get on these guys rightfully so they deserve it. They're going to have a bounce back game. It wouldn't surprise me if Matthews puts up four points, you know, and he just kind of silences people just for a day. Go back to Toronto, maybe win game five, make it a little bit interesting, and Florida closes it out. Florida will win one game in the next four. I don't know how long this series is going to take, but I think Toronto salvages a little bit of their confidence and wins a game tonight, but this series is over. Moving on to Edmonton. Vegas, you're in Edmonton. You took a dump on the ice two nights ago. You have to bounce back. The place is going to be rocking. What do you expect tonight, Tim? Edmonton will come back. Yeah, big night for like for Drysdale and McDavid, like we said. So I think they come back. It's probably five to two. That's my that's my prediction. I agree. I think Edmonton wins this one. As good as Vegas is, gosh, Vegas looked good in Game Three. But was that a case of Edmonton just throwing up a stinker or Vegas just dominating? So we'll see. I think Edmonton wins. This is going to be a good series. Hopefully, I'm hoping. I want to have a good series. I want to have something to watch and to be excited about. All right, what else, Tim? Last question: Who's your who's your MVP pick so far? It's Out interesting that are left. You know, it's when you're looking when you just think without looking at the stats, you go, okay, well, Kachuk has to be leading in you know leading the league in points. It's Dreisaitl and McDavid, just like the regular season. Those guys are pacing the league. Dreisaitl's got 17, McDavid's got 15, Kachuk has 15 as well. But it's those two guys. I th- I think you have to give it to Kachuk, right? He's he's the obvious pick. He single-handedly beat the Boston Bruins, who set the record for most points in a regular season by an NHL team. Over 100 years, the NHL has been in existence. They set the record, Tim, for most points. Did you know that? Yep. They had the highest Vegas odds I've ever seen to beat a team. You had to bet, I think it was... 15,000 to win a thousand on the Bruins. So it was insane. If you bet the Panthers, you would have won a ton of money and they overcame those odds 
and it wasn't even hard. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you have to give it to Matthew Kachuk, I think. Uh-huh. I think he is the he's the guy right now on on the back end. It's Evan Bouchard. He's been playing fantastic. As bad as he was last game, he still has been playing very, very good. So if Edmonton wins, it's going to be Bouchard. If it's the Florida Panthers, it's going to be Kachuk. Yeah, I say Kachuk too. Um, a couple other names got thrown around. If you asked yesterday, I would say Jack Hughes would be in the conversation just because of um, how much how important he is to that team. But down three to one, it's hard to pick him. Bobrovsky is another name that some people were picking around. But for me, it's got to be Kachuk as well. Hughes, he's been playing good, but he it's so funny. He doesn't show up for a lot of games. And I don't know if it's it's him or the team checking him, but he'll put in four points one game, and then he'll go two games with nothing. His consistency has not been there. You know, he, he's not a, a game-to-game threat. Kachuk has been that. McDavid and Dreinsidel have been that. Those guys bring it every single game. Hughes, for whatever reason, has him. And you you can't argue that. He's been missing for a lot of periods during this, this postseason. He only has 10 points, Tim. And four of them came in the 8-4 win. So, I said Kachuk. I'm not. I'm not arguing that. But the people who said Jack Hughes don't know what they're talking about. Okay, they don't. They don't. Yes, he's the best player on that team. But I could, I could like Brad Marchand has more points than Jack Hughes. Tyler Bertuzzi and the Bruins. They've been golfing for how long, Tim? Like a week, week and yeah. a half. Yeah. So, no. He's not on the list just yet. If they win, if they come back, then he's on the list. He's not on the list right now. All right. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no, no. I'm okay. Tonight's gonna be fun. Can you can you listeners hear how he's just so melancholy ever since the Bruins are out? He's not the same Tim. He used to be energetic. He used to be on the ball. He used to be just engaged. He's lost all his mojo, and I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's because the Bruins just laid an egg. I've lost my mojo. You have, and you got to find it back. And what, what also is bad is the Celtics are going to lose to the 76ers. Oh, don't get me started. They're ruining their chances. Um, the Red Sox are playing okay. We'll, we'll give the Red Sox that. And the Patriots, I don't I don't even want to go down that route. We, we all know how the Patriots are doing. So, I don't know. Send Tim a text. Cheer him up because he's he's really struggling. He really, really is. I'm All fine. that aside, watch some hockey tonight. We'll see you guys on Friday. It's going to be great. Watch some hockey. Hopefully we get some big games tonight, and we'll talk to you guys then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.